I want to welcome you here today. As you can see, we're missing quite a few people. We've got people out on vacation. We've got people sick. Uh, I think uh, Ronald and Pat and the kids just got in about around 3 or 4 o'clock this morning, so they're still home from vacation. And uh, April and her mom, Sue, have went to Abilene to see Sue's mom. They have put her on hospice, so they went down there to kind of check on things and see what's going on. So y'all keep them in prayer as they travel 20 out there and uh, just pray for a good, safe journey and that uh, Sue can find out some things about her mom. And, uh, and two, while I'm on that subject, April, she is a teacher here at Azel High School, well, not at Azel Elementary School. And uh, these teachers have to buy a lot of their own on, on supplies and things. Uh, if you would like to make any type of a donation, I'm, the church is going to help them. And uh, I'm just going to give her cash where she can buy what she needs to buy. A lot of this comes out of the teacher's own pocket. And uh, I don't know why that has to be like that, but that's just a school system. And uh, But I want to help April out. She, she's a Sunday school teacher over here. She's been very faithful to the church and everything, so I would like to help her out if you can. If you would like to make any type of a donation between now and time school starts back, if you will just give it either in the offering and just write uh, school on it or something, we'll see that April gets this money so she can buy supplies she needs for her classroom. And... Uh, and I, I had a call. I don't know if y'all remember or not. She used to sit back there just about where JB sat, but her name was Faye Mungle. And uh, she's in the Azel Hospital, and she's got a light case of COVID, and she called me wanting prayer. And uh, she's also got, her. they said she's got a little bit of a problem with her kidney and they're not functioning just like they should, and they're trying to do something about making the kidney function better. So y'all keep Faye Mongrel in prayer. She came here before this COVID thing and just never has got back. But uh, she, kills, she still calls me and everything. We talk and everything. She wants to get back in church, and I'm hoping she will. And uh, But y'all keep her in prayer over they say it's a light case of COVID. But the kidneys is what's, what's really worrying them. So y'all pray for her. And uh, let's see here. I think I think that was about it. Did I? Oh, one other thing. If anybody knows of a house or or a trailer or anything for rent. If y'all will get with Pat and Roy, they are going to have to move. They got a letter the other day that somebody had bought the place they're in, and now they're going to have to find somewhere else, and they need to find a rent house. It needs to be at least two bedroom, and uh, if you find something, if you'll just let me know or let them know, I'll get in touch with them, and they can check on it. But they're going to have to be out here in about 30 days anyway, so... If y'all know of anywhere around Azel here, Springtown, if y'all would just let us know, we'll try to help them out in finding a, a place to move to. 
but they've just found out they're going to have to move. So any help would be appreciated, I'm sure. <clears throat> and uh, so I think that's the, I believe that's the only thing I've got here today. But I want to thank you for being here. We've got a number of people, I say a number, quite a few over there, getting the food ready and uh, helping out over there. So just like, <coughs> excuse me, the devil's trying to make me sick and I'm not accepting it. And, uh, but, uh, so if y'all will just, uh, after, after the service, if y'all just go next door, there's going to be plenty of food. Whether you're able to forgot about it, whether you're able to bring anything or not, don't worry about it. There's plenty of food over there. So just come and join it, and let's have a good time of fellowship and, and just time to meet and talk with each other. And uh, so anyway, this morning, I'm going to bring a, a, a little message. I've, I've, I've entitled it The Criminal and the Cross. What I want us to do this morning is look at the meaning of the cross of Christ. And, uh, you know, the cross means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Some, it's just a pretty piece of jewelry they wear, a necklace, a bracelet, or something like that. They don't really have that meaning to it. And uh, to others, it's just a decoration they put up in their house. And you ask them about, well, that's awful pretty. What is it? Oh, I don't know. I found that. I thought it was pretty, so I just hung it up. You know, the cross has a, a very deep meaning to it. And... Uh, especially to the Christian. If you are Christian, you should that cross should really have a meaning to you and what Christ did on that cross for us. Uh, but to the Christian, it has such a deeper meaning, and I guess it does for anybody else. You know, it's a symbol of Christ's uh, sacrificial love for us. It's uh, showing us, it's, it's him conquering death, the grave, and his resurrection. And a lot of people don't even understand really what the cross is about. They just think it's a pretty decoration. I've seen a lot of people wearing crosses around their neck. They, oh, I just like that. I bought it. I asked one time, one time, I asked a man. I said, you're wearing that. I said, do you know what it means? He said, well, not really. I just always like it. I said, do you want to know what it means? He said, well, yeah. I told him. And he said, I had no idea that the cross was that important and that it meant that Christ died for our sins he shed the blood for our sins uh, he rose again so that we could have eternal life and he said I, I just he said I don't go to church he said I've never been to church it's about the only time I've ever been in church is for a funeral or maybe a wedding but he said I did not understand what all that is. He said, my way of life is I live in the world. And that's the way many people are. They live in the world and they don't know about Jesus. They don't know what Jesus has done. They don't realize what they've got by receiving Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Many people, when you talk to them, and they, I did not know that. I did not understand that. Nobody's ever explained it to me. I asked them, I said, let me ask you a question. I said, what's that? I said, has anybody ever invited you to church? Said, no. How many people have we invited to church? We just, we, we, a lot of times we take it for granted that everybody knows about Jesus. They know who he is. They know what he done. 
and many people don't. They don't know who Jesus is. And that's what the church is here for, to introduce them to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to help change their life, to be a better person, to come to know Jesus Christ, to live a Christian life. Uh, you know, there was another man, and he died on the cross right along beside Jesus. Uh, we know who he was. In, in the Bible, they call him a, the thief. There was two of them. One died on each side of Christ. And whether you know it or not, you know who, I'll just put it like, you know who invented or who brought up and started using the cross? The Romans. The Roman government thought up the cross. And they thought it, the, the, the Roman government looked for some of the, the, the cruelest and the most torturous things they could do to people. And the cross was one of them. The cross, they look at it, and uh, if, uh, if, if those who witnessed the cross and what they saw on that cross, what they saw was torture, cruelty, death, and humiliation. That's what the cross represented. And that's what the Romans wanted it to represent. Uh, the Romans come up with this punishment for the very reasons we just mentioned. Torture, cruelty, death, and humiliation. There was so much torture, so much pain, so much, you know, many of the people that were put on the cross, when they were nailed to the cross, they were nailed on their naked. No clothes whatsoever and stood out for the people to see. And above their heads on the cross was a sign that told the people exactly what they did and why they was on the cross. You know, like Jesus, he had a sign over his head, King of the Jews. That's why Jesus was crucified. He said he was a king. And to the Romans, no, there's only one king. And when Jesus started saying he was king of the Jews, even the Jews, all of them, come down on Christ. They wanted him crucified, and they wanted him killed. And that's what they did. That's exactly what they did. And uh, But the Roman government put, made it so cruel and so hard, they wanted the criminals themselves, as they passed by a cross, they wanted to, the, the Roman government wanted them to see what was going to happen to them. You commit a crime, this is what's going to happen to you. I imagine it did away with a lot of crime. When they could sit there and witness and watch a man die, most of the time it was from suffocation. If they lived that long, if they were tortured like Jesus was crossed, most of them never made it to the cross. All the 39 lashes, and, and most people think really Jesus got more than 39 lashes. But they said some of the lashes in Jesus' body were so deep cut him so deep that you could see his insides. Because on the end of those cat of nine tails, there was pieces of rock, pieces of bone, pieces of anything they could find to cut the flesh. And they showed no mercy. 
And, I, you know, most people don't know how a man can even live through what Jesus lived through. But Jesus lived through it just to die for us. Just to die for us. He lived through that torture, that humiliation, that cruelty, just to die again. Just to die for us. You know, we can learn a lot about the cross and how we see from that thief or that criminal that was on the cross. I want to look at him for just a minute. We can learn a lot from that thief. Here in uh, Luke chapter 23, verses 39 through 43, <clears throat> listen to what it says. And, and they're going to pick out a couple things in here that we can learn from. That we've probably read this, no telling how many times, but did we see it? See, I think that's a problem we got. Many times we read Scripture, but we don't see really what all Scripture is telling us. We don't see what it's saying. We skim over it. We need to take our time and read it. Before you start reading, pray. Lord, if there's something here you want to show me, Lord, open my eyes that I may see it. Before I do a study or anything, now I do that. I say, Lord, as I sit here and prepare this sermon for your glory, open my eyes that I may see things that I've overlooked. And I, believe me, I have looked and read scripture that I've read no telling how many times, and then all of a sudden I'm reading it, I see something brand new. Something brand new just jumps out at you that, I've read this and read this, but I have not noticed this before. See, that's what the Holy Spirit does. That Holy Spirit shows you things that He wants you to know. And then I think this, this uh, scripture here is going to show us some things that we hadn't seen. <clears throat> and I'm going to start reading here in chapter, I mean, in, in chapter 23, verse 39. It said, And one of the male factors, or one of the thieves, which was hung, railed on Jesus. He started humiliating Jesus. He started just railing on him, making fun of him, saying derogatory things to him. No telling what all he said to Jesus. He might have been cussing Jesus. We don't know. But he was just railed on Jesus about a number of things. And, uh, <clears throat> and here it goes on. And one of the male factors was hanged, railed on Jesus, saying, He's talking to Christ. If you be Christ, save yourself and us. Well, first of all, Jesus didn't go to the cross to save himself. He went to the cross to die for you and for me. He didn't go there to save himself. And then here in verse 40 it says, But the other thief, <coughs> answering, rebuked the thief that was, that was raining on Jesus. He says, but the, the other thief answered and rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God? How many of us have said things that might have offended God and we didn't realize it? Can you imagine how God was interpreting this from this thief? They didn't know God to start out with, but he was raiding on God, he was making fun of Jesus, he was no telling what all he was telling or saying to Jesus. He said, but do you not fear God, seeing you are in the same condemnation or the same judgment? We're in the same judgment as this Lord. He's our Lord here he is. 
We're being judged just like he is. He has been judged to die. We have been judged to die. And you're railing on him and saying all these things to him and the way you're talking to him. Do you not fear God? This man is the son of God. And you're saying the things that you're saying? <clears throat> and here in verse 41, <clears throat> this thief says, And we indeed are justly judged. We have been justly judged for what we did. For we received the due reward due to our deeds, or we're receiving the rewards for what we have done. We're receiving the punishment. We're receiving the condemnation for what we have done. They knew that they had made a mistake. They knew they had messed up, and they knew they were justly judged. That's what this man is saying. <coughs> then that thing says, look what he says. <coughs> but this man has done nothing wrong. He was talking about Jesus. But this man here has done nothing wrong, and yet they're, they're putting him under condemnation just exactly like they are us. And in verse 42, And this thief said unto Jesus, Lord, he called him Lord. I think maybe the Holy Spirit had a little something to do with this. This Holy Spirit knew that this thief was just moments away from dying on that cross, and he did not know Jesus Christ. He had a sure trip to hell coming. But after what he had said to this other thief, standing up for Jesus, knowing that Jesus, he is the Messiah. He is our Lord. Look what he said. <clears throat> and the thief said unto Jesus, Remember me, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He said, Lord, remember me. I know I don't deserve it. Do any of us deserve it? No. None of us. But out of love and out of mercy, God says, I forgive you. I forgive you. That's what he said to that thief that day. And that was a few moments. And that thief only had just maybe moments to live. And Jesus said yes to him. He said yes to this thief. And Jesus said unto this thief, listen to him. And Jesus said unto him, Truly I say unto you, Today you shall be with me in paradise. Today you will be with me in heaven. You will be with me. You won't see the gates of heaven. You won't, be, you won't even know what hell is because you're going to be with me because of, of you coming to me and proclaiming me as your Lord. You're saying you believe I am the Son of God. He said, upon your confession of faith, you will be in heaven. Isn't that what Jesus tells us? Believe upon the Son and you shall have eternal life. This thief was saying, I believe upon you, Jesus. I believe upon you. I believe you're the Son of God. And Jesus accepted that. Many people have a problem with deathbed confessions. I don't. I think about the thief. Moments to live. And when he confessed Jesus Christ as his Lord, Jesus said, this day, in just a moment, just a matter of a few hours, you shall be with me in paradise. This thief was sincere. 
Just even you, this was Jesus, the Son of God. And he recognized that, and he confessed it. Right there on that cross, he confessed it. I've seen people accept Jesus Christ on their deathbed, and I have no trouble, no trouble or no problem believing they are in heaven today. But I knew that when I know the people personally like I did, I knew they meant what they said. I knew they meant what they said. We have to truly believe. What does it say? Confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart. You have to believe in your heart. Not up here, oh, I've heard that. So I'll just, no, you've got to feel it. You've got to know it. You've got to believe it. And Jesus says, you will be with me today in paradise. Paradise is heaven. So that thief knew where he was going to be in just a short time. So one of the first things we learn is that this thief had the right view of what he had done and the right view of himself. He knew who he was. He knew his sins. He knew he had done wrong. And he was confessing that. Hey, we, are, we have been rightly judged for what we have done. But this man has done nothing. He's done nothing wrong. <clears throat> and uh, he realized that he deserved death. He deserved death under the Roman law. He knew, the, he knew what the penalty was. And before he committed the crimes, he knew if he got caught, he knew what was going to happen to him. He took the chance. He got caught. And he knew exactly where he was going to be. That's where he ended up on that cross to die. He knew that, that when judgment came, he knew when judgment came, he knew what to expect. When judgment comes, what are you expecting? What are you expecting when judgment comes? I hope you're expecting to be in heaven. I hope you have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I hope you have accepted him in your heart, believing and not doubting that Jesus truly is the Son of God. Because that's what it's going to take. But I want to show you something. Look here in verse 40. It says, But the other thief answering rebuked him, saying, this was, this was a thief that believed in Jesus, saying, Do you not fear God? seeing you are under the same condemnation. You are under the same condemnation and you're guilty and this man is going to die and he's innocent. He's innocent. And we indeed were justly judged in verse 41 for we received the due reward for what we have done and this man here has done nothing and they're going to reward him just like us. Jesus came to die. He came as a little baby to this earth. And the only reason he came was to die for our sins. To give us eternal life. He knew why he came. He knew what his fate was. But he never turned away from the cross knowing exactly what he was going to go through. Many people, oh, he was God. He didn't, he didn't really suffer. God wouldn't let him suffer. He suffered severely. He had to. He 
was God in the flesh. He was in the flesh. He wasn't just spirit. He was in the flesh. He suffered what the flesh suffers. And that was pain, agony. He even turned to his father. Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? Well, that's not what he didn't mean. He knew why God had to turn his face. But that was flesh speaking. That was pain. That was agony. How many times have we ever said, oh God, why? Because you're hurting. We all have. Every one of us. Jesus was hurting. But he knew he was doing the will of the Father. He knew why he had come. And he wasn't going to turn away from it. Remember we said, Father, never let what I ask, but let your will be done. Let your will be done, Lord. Why I came, let it take place, because that will glorify you. And that will help the other people when they realize who I am, and they receive me as their Lord and as your Son. Lord, they can have eternal life. They'll never die. And I'm going to get to something here in just a second. And furthermore, the thief had the right view of who Jesus was. I'm just wondering, if we'd been in the same condition as that thief, been in that much pain everything as he was, what kind of view would you have about God? You might have been cussing God just like that other thief was. He was hurting. He was angry. Oh, it's not that he, he, he was angry because of his pain. He wasn't angry because he said, I didn't do it. He knew he did it. He knew he was rightly judged. And when we stand before God, we will be rightly judged. He says that he recognized that the, that the Son of God, he recognized who he was, he was the Messiah that was to come. <coughs> Excuse me. And he's testified to this while he was hanging on the cross. He knew that this was Jesus. And he testified to anybody that would listen around him. This is the Son of God. He knew, and he knew he was a sinner. And he knew Jesus was innocent. Then we learned that... that then, then we learned that this criminal had the right view of life after death. How many of us have got the right, the right view of life after death? Even though he was sentenced to death, his life was hanging just by a thread. Like I said, he only had one to go. He only had moments to live. He was going to have to have a miracle. But he lived. The miracle was right next to him. That was the Son of God. Jesus Christ himself was a miracle. Look at all the miracles he did when he walked this earth. Look at all those he raised from the dead. Look at those he gave sight back to, hearing back to, the lame that he caused to walk. Even those that had died, he raised back to life. He did so many miracles. And people still doubted him. Even some of his disciples doubted him. Even some of his disciples doubted who Jesus was. <clears throat> there are many people today who live their life 
as this is the only life there is. There is nothing after this. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to do whatever I want to right now. Because when I'm dead, I'm dead. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what the Bible says. But most people don't know what the Bible says. The soul lives forever. Somewhere lives forever. The soul does not die. got two places it's going to live. It's either going to live in heaven with God or it's going to live in hell. That's the only two choices you got. That's why, that's why the Bible says we must make a choice of where we're going to spend eternity. We're either going to spend it in heaven with Jesus or we're going to spend it in hell burning forever. To me that shouldn't be a hard choice. It shouldn't be a hard choice. Who wants to burn in hell forever? Who wants to feel that pain, that torture, that agony forever? I'm going to show you something. Even God says it happened. But we got two choices. Look here in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. This is Jesus speaking. He's talking to us. He's saying, And fear not them which can kill the body, but not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Fear who? The almighty God that can destroy both body and soul. Man cannot destroy your soul. God can by what we choose and what we accept in this life. Now listen to what it says here in John 3.36. This is Jesus speaking again. He that believes on the Son has everlasting life. That's what I said a while ago. This thief believes upon Jesus Christ. And he that believes on the Son has everlasting life. And he that believes not in the Son shall not see life but the wrath of God shall abide on him forever. Shall abide on him forever. We've got a simple choice to believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and as the Son of God and not doubt it or choose not to believe he's the Son of God and have God's wrath abide on us forever. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I chose Jesus. I chose Jesus. I hope you've chose Jesus. Because that's the only way you're going to have eternal life. It's through Christ. And, <clears throat> excuse me. And you know, this criminal, he had the correct view of salvation also. Here in Luke 23, 42, And this thief said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me. Remember me, Lord. Lord, I have confessed you as my Lord. I believe you are the Son of God. Please remember me when you come into your kingdom. Upon my death, receive me into your kingdom. This thief knew who Jesus was. So many people out here do not know who Jesus is. But that's our job. That's the church's job is to show them and tell them who Jesus is. 
We can't force them to accept Jesus. We can't make them believe in Jesus. But we can tell them about Jesus, what he's done, his love, how he died just for us. Not many people would die for us, but Jesus did. He did because of his love for us. The thief saw himself as totally helpless, which he was. We are totally helpless without Christ in our life. Have you ever thought about that? How helpless you are without Jesus, without Jesus to call upon, without Jesus to intervene into some of the things that come against you and happen to you? But this thief saw himself totally helpless. He could do nothing himself to save himself. We can't do anything to save ourselves. It's not of our works. It's not of our deeds. But it's of Jesus Christ and our faith and our belief in Him. That's what saves you. I don't care how hard you work, what you do. If you don't believe in Jesus, you're going to go to hell. I mean, I don't know how to put it any simpler. Without Christ, you're doomed. <clears throat> you know... The thief offered the last thing that he had. The last possession he had, he offered to Jesus. What did he offer? He offered his faith and his soul. That's what Jesus asked of us, our faith and our soul. That's what that thief, that's all he had. And Jesus said, that's all I want is your faith in me and your soul. then you have eternal life. This thief realized that Jesus was the Son of God and that he wanted to be a part of that kingdom. He didn't want nothing to do with hell. The criminal on the cross knew who he was and who Jesus was. He knew that his soul would continue after he died. His soul was going to live on. And he knew that Jesus was his Savior. But without Jesus, his soul would have lived in hell. All of us will. Without Jesus, our soul will live in hell for all eternity. And this thief could do nothing but cry out to Jesus and place his faith in Jesus for his salvation. That's what we have to do. Is place our faith in Jesus. Believe in him for our salvation and for eternal life. You know, Jesus heard his feast's call. He heard his cry. To which Jesus replied to him, Today you will be with me in paradise. I heard you. I see your faith. I know you believe. This day you shall be with me in paradise. I hope we see Jesus like this thief saw Jesus. I hope we believe who he is that he is the only hope that we have. He's the only hope we have. Jesus is the only way to God. There is no other way. Jesus tells that in John 14, 6. For I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no man comes to God except through me. What do you mean through me? By believing Jesus is who he says he is, and that you do not doubt that he is truly the Son of God, and your faith in him 
get you into heaven and get you eternal life. I hope you all believe in Jesus. Every one of you. That's my prayer, that we all, without any doubt, believe in Jesus Christ. When you do that, you have a home in heaven. Eternal life. If you believe in Jesus, God has got you a house right now, a mansion. And it's waiting on you. It's waiting on you. I'm going to ask the band to come up if they will. <clears throat> and you know, if, if, if you've had any doubts in your mind about who Jesus is, have I really accepted Jesus? You know, I've had people tell me, you know, sometimes I doubt my salvation. I don't know if, I've, if I'm really saved. And I want to tell you right now, if you truly believe in Jesus Christ, you're saved. You're saved. If you truly believe in Jesus. Now, if you're doubting Jesus, that's another story. Believe and do not doubt. <coughs> Owen James said, He who doubts, don't let him think he shall receive anything. Jesus doesn't want our doubts. He wants our faith. That's what he's looking for. He's looking at us. He's looking at your faith. If you've got the faith, Jesus says you've got a place in heaven.